Beloveds, welcome back to The Word is Resistance, the podcast where we're exploring what our Christian sacred texts have to teach us about living, surviving, even thriving in the context of empire, tyranny, violence, and repression, the times in which we are living today. What do our sacred stories have to teach us as white folks about our role in resistance, in showing up, and in liberation? What wisdom is there for us as white Christians in these troubled, violent times of pandemics and racial capitalism and the beauty of resistance? I'm Reverend Ann Dunlap, pronouns she, her, hers. I'm a United Church of Christ minister and I'm the faith organizing coordinator for Showing Up for Racial Justice or SURGE. I live in the place currently called Buffalo, New York here in the homelands of the Haudenosaunee and Erie peoples. This podcast is a project of Surge Faith and is particularly designed for white Christians. White Christians talking to other white Christians about race and white supremacy. We believe white Christians like us, like me, have a responsibility to commit ourselves to resisting white supremacy, to speaking up and showing up and disrupting white supremacy where we find it, including in our own Christian tradition. And we do this work remembering we are building up a new world. This live recording of Dr. Vincent Harding's song for the freedom movement is of a multiracial movement choir practice in Denver, Colorado in December of 2014, being led by Minister Daryl J. Walker. We are deeply grateful to the Freeney Harding family for letting us use the song for this podcast. The word is resistance. I'm so pleased to welcome Reverend M. Barkley to our podcast today. M. is co-founder and director of Infleshed, a nonprofit creating and facilitating resources for spiritual nourishment for collective liberation. Infleshed was birthed in 2017 out of a deep longing for engagement with the sacred through collective, liberative, creative, and nourishing practices and ideas, unencumbered by dogma, religious respectability, politics, or denominational ties. So M, you fit right in here, I think, on our podcast. <laughs> Prior to M's work at Enflesh, their vocational background included hospital chaplaincy, organizing faith leaders for reproductive justice, over a decade of queer and trans organizing and advocacy, and other forms of justice work within and outside of the church. So M, welcome. We're so happy to have you with us today. Um, and please tell us a little bit more about yourself. Sure. Well, first of all, thank you for having me here. Um, I'm thrilled to be in conversation with you. Uh, and um, yeah, one of the things about me is that I love having conversations like the ones you're hosting here, uh, talking about spirituality and transformation um, enlivens me like little else. Um, my pronouns are they, them. Um, I'm bisexual and queer. I'm non-binary and trans. Uh, I love poetry, playing with stained glass, hiking, um, and it's been a lot of years now, but I came from a pretty fundamentalist and conservative young life. Um, and mm. so I'm certainly someone who is really uh, committed to a life of unlearning and learning anew. Um, and I appreciate every chance to collaborate in that process, uh, like the one that you've created here, especially, especially, especially around whiteness and Christianity. Beautiful, beautiful, love that. And again, thank you so much. Um, I'm so excited to see where our conversation takes us today. And today we are 
going to be talking about the lectionary reading from the Gospel of Luke, um, where John the Baptist cusses at people and yells at them <laughs> a little bit. So this is always fun. Yes. So Emma and I are going to read this text for you, and then we'll see where the conversation takes us. So this is Luke uh, chapter 3, verses 7 through 18. John said to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruits worthy of repentance. Do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our ancestor. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Even now the axe is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And the crowds asked him, what then should we do? In reply, he said to them, whoever has two coats must share with anyone who has none, and whoever has food must do likewise. Even tax collectors came to be baptized, and they asked him, teacher, what should we do? He said to them, collect no more than the amount prescribed for you. Soldiers also asked him, and we, what should we do? He said to them, do not extort money from anyone by threats or false accusation and be satisfied with your wages. As the people were filled with expectation and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Messiah, John answered all of them by saying, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I is coming. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his granary. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. So with many other exhortations, he proclaimed good news to the people. Flushed posted a really incredible version of this same Luke, Luke text a few days ago on social media that I loved. Um, and we're going to actually read it here for you um, and start here with, with Enfleshed's version of this story um, for our conversation today. So here is Enfleshed's version of, of Luke uh, 3, 7 to 18. The prophet spoke to the masses who came with enthusiasm to the protest. The prophet spoke especially to the ones lining up to participate for the first time. The prophet said, complicit ones, what has led you to decide today is the day you are on the side of liberation? Be careful of the temptation to perform. Be careful your commitment is sure and lasting in the days to come. Let your actions bear fruits worthy of the trust of the people, showing signs of true transformation. The days of revelation are upon us. Truth is being revealed. The hidden motivations of the heart are unveiled. 
the true loyalties of each person will be made known. The people asked the prophet, what then should we do? In reply, the prophet said to the people, whoever profits off of unjust systems that make a world where some have two coats and others have none, where some waste and hoard and abuse the land while others starve, each must share, protest and divest. In fact, whoever has power in its various forms, white people, cis people, men, straight people, non-disabled people, those not living under economic exploitation, Christians, each must turn entirely from that which positions you over others in order to join this family of radical love. Even the most privileged of the middle class came to join and ask the prophet what they should do. The prophet said, examine your excess in resources and power, live with no more than what you need and redistribute every single penny more. And the soldiers of the prison industrial complex, complex asked too, what shall we do? The prophet said, leave your positions and seek abolition. Be complicit no longer with abuse, control, and the destruction of communities. And the colonizers among the crowd pressed further, asking, what repentance can we offer that will be good fruit? The prophet replied, fight for stolen land to be returned to the care of the indigenous. The people were filled with hope, wondering whether the prophet could save them all. The prophet said to them, Beware of that. I am not a Messiah. I only point to our divine collective calling. Mm. Thus ends the rereading. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, tell us about how, I don't know if you wrote this or, or someone else yeah. that in flesh wrote this, but, but your reaction to this, and if, if it was you, like how you came up with like this version of this very familiar, I think, um, to those of us who have spent a long time in church, it's kind of very familiar story and yeah. the somewhat disturbing, I think, to, to some of us, you know, images of like axes and being thrown in the fire and brood of vipers, all of these things. So <laughs> tell us about, tell us about this version. Sure. Yeah. So um, it's intense for sure. And I confess, I I love things that are intense. I love exploring them. So um, I'm really excited about this passage. Uh, but I, I did, I wrote this a sort of retelling um, and it came from um, uh, my daily practice this Advent is doing uh, blackout poetry in Luke. Mm. Um, and so I read a little section in my Bible each morning um, and then yeah, create a blackout poem um, from that, which is just where you scratch most of the words out um, and leave a few remaining to make a short poem. Um, and so uh, the morning that this text came up, I just was like wowed by re-engaging it. Uh, there's just so much in it. Um, and uh, I usually am not deepened into the text necessarily when I'm doing blackout poetry, but this one just was, yeah, just had me. Um, and I think I just immediately felt the resonance with like the intensity of the moment that John the Baptist was um, was speaking into feels very 
like familiar uh, in regards to the intensity of the moment we are living through right now. Um, the way that there's this like flood of interest, I really felt him saying like the why now, right? And I, I have heard um, so so many folks asking that, um, especially of white people who are who are newly showing up to uh, this work, like why now? Where have you been? Mm. You know, and have you thought about the like why now, or are you just like here? You know, um, and so I just I really felt the the ways that um, he is calling for a depth um, in the midst of a, what is, seems to be this sort of mass um, showing up in a new way, right? Mm. Um, and so then I just started scribbling, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things that, that I noticed in, in your reinterpretation or, or rereading is, um, which, which is something that, um, which I noticed when I did Matthew's version of this text, I think it mm. was two events ago now, perhaps, um, is this whole like, you know, who has, who has warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Yeah. And we all assume, and this is what I said a few years ago, we all assume that the wrath is God's wrath, mm. but it doesn't say that it's God's wrath. Mm. Mm. Um, and, my thinking then, which is still my thinking now, is that it's actually Rome's wrath. Like the mm. wrath is actually Roman violence, like state violence against the people, which is something they would have known and experienced. And so I appreciate how you take the focus off also, like it's not about God's wrath, it's about like we're in a moment and uh, that is not about God being angry about us, but about showing up for this, this new, way of being together mm. and the questioning of that um you know the that feels like both like why now where have you been but also like an invitational mm. so why are you here like why does this matter to you now mm -hmm. um and helping people figure out like as we say in surge like what their mutual interest is in showing up now yeah. What was it about this moment that is different from all the other moments <laughs> uh -huh. prior? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Um, and I love you uh, bringing in Rome as the sort of force of judgment here, um, because I actually ha uh have been thinking of it as a sort of divine judgment. Um, and so I love that counter. I love the, the both of those possibilities. Um, and I think for me, I've thought about, um, I think the idea of um, liberation and divine wrath is an interesting, I like, I think that's, there's a lot of interesting stuff to explore there, but um, I think, you know, uh, in, in, in facing, uh, the realities of the climate crisis um, before us and in other forms of structural collapse that could be, right? Um, those are the kinds of things that I, I think of as a judgment, which is not a, um, I don't think of it as God inducing those things, but as us inducing them, particularly um, whiteness and 
histories mm-hmm. of colonization. Um, uh, but I think it's interesting to think about um, the, I, I hear John saying like, oh, now you see that collapse is gonna destroy all of us. Now you see that there is there are consequences to the histories that we have been living out together and 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 now you don't want to live in the consequences of those you know mm. um now you want to flee from the destruction that will bring down those who are in positions of power that will mm. bring an end to a particular era of dominance now you want out of that yeah um mm. interesting interesting yeah. why you know um and so that's what I had been bringing in assumption. Mm-hmm. And so I'm really enjoying the like, oh man, sure. It could add, like Rome's judgment makes so much sense too. And I just, yeah. I like that. I like that. I love that though, because I think that's, that's also very true in human. Like, how do I not have to experience the, the collapse that is actually happening? And yeah. I, I think we're, we're definitely living in a moment of that right now too. Yeah. Like, how can I, control protects myself my very close immediate family um and even like pretend like what is happening is not happening like thinking about like anti-vaxxers and anti-maskers and and just the like the election was stolen like all the different things that are happening right now that 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 i in my best self, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> I can see our reactions to a deep anxiety about about yes. the collapse of systems that we see now. Yes, and how easy it is to for the powerful who want to hold on to that wealth and power to, to tap into that, and mm-hmm. so and 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 for the reaction to be, I I don't I don't want to participate. I don't want to I don't want it to fall. I'm going to run away from it falling. There's actually nowhere to go. I don't know. Maybe there's. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, maybe that's part of John's point. So mm-hmm. I love that there's like, it could be, you know, like the both and of like, what are you fleeing from? Yeah. And, and also, you know, are, are you're trying to flee from the, the impacts of participating in these systems. And also are we, is it about, like initiating ourselves to participate in what it will take to collapse those systems on yeah, purpose. Right, right. To build something different, to build something better, newer. And maybe all of those things, that's what I love about the Bible yeah. is like, yeah. you know, you're like nobody can see what I'm doing. I'm like pretending to hold a, I don't know what this is, a prism. A ball, I don't know, and like yeah, looking yeah, at yeah. it from different <laughs> angles, yeah. um, and how all of that could be at play here. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. Um, because when I when I hear how you have put these, like, well, what do we do? Mm. Um, you know, it, what you, and I think this is true of, of what is in Luke too. It's also like withdrawing our consent to participate in these systems. 
those mm-hmm. of us who have benefited from them in, in particular. Mm-hmm. Yes. And and doing something different. Yes. Um, and I want to highlight, I think, for for our for myself, for for our folks out there who are who are um, listening, that the people it's not about the question here isn't about like what do we believe? Right. It's not about well, what do I what dogma do I have to or doctrine do I have to give my assent to? The question is, what do we do? And John says, here is what you do. Yeah. It's very clearly about action. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I love this like classic, simple uh, metaphor of bearing good fruit. It is so mm-hmm. useful and it's so meaningful. Um, and like, actually paying attention to our lives through like, am I bearing good fruit is like, yeah, it's, it's, it's not new, you know, it's not even complicated, but it's, it's all (laughs) like, it's so significant to, to ask that question and to be able to answer it honestly. Um, And I love the way that like, John is essentially like implying you know what's going on inside of you nobody else right like Mm. um you have to figure out your motivations and like what's happening for you internally like what's brought you here um nobody can know that they can assume but they can look at your life and see if there's fruit um and that fruit is a testimony to what's happening internally or not and the motivations there. Um, yeah. Yeah. That just, I can't help but think about um, the uh, civil trial that just finished in Charlottesville of some of the white supremacists who organized the Unite the Right at rally. And I was, I was following, um, there was a, a, on Twitter, an account that was like, following along as the trial was happening and posting like these mm. questions this is responses like not quite verbatim but almost mm. and um our our beloved uh, reverend seth whispleways one of our contributors was one of one of the plaintiffs and he was being questioned by one of these white supremacist organizers about mm. like well, if I repent, then, you know, th- does that mean that I'm forgiven for what I did? Oof. And I'm just like, wow, I had to, gosh, God bless you, Seth. Um, right. And afterwards, Seth retweeted that particular tweet and mm. quoted this exact text, bear fruit wow. worthy of repentance. Yes, yes. That's the, that's the response. But that's yes. not only for like the blatant, you know, organizers of white supremacist violence. It's also yes. for us. Yes. It is also for us. That's right. What is the f- fruit that we're bearing? Um, yeah. And I'm curious about what you think about, and maybe it's both, because mm. that's where we are today, apparently. I've, I have been really resistant since... Um, well, I don't know how long, but definitely since Good Friday, when I worked on the Good Friday episode of this podcast, of these kinds mm-hmm. of 
all of all of the labor to figure out how to save the world mm-hmm. is on the individual. Like if mm-hmm. I can just figure out like my individual fruits right. or name all my individual sins right. or figure out, you know, the the list of right things to let go of so that Jesus can be born again. Um like I actually think that that's not helpful in the long run that entirely individualistic focus which is not to say we shouldn't be self-reflective so I'm wondering is there imagery do you see imagery here that helps us to understand that this is also collective work Mm. to be done Mm -hmm. yeah oh I love that um yeah I think what I hear here is um the individual responsibility is not um, is not about, as you said, like rebuilding the world. Like that's not going to happen in an individualistic manner. Uh, but the individual responsibility is about joining this community, um, mm. and it is through the community that these new things are built together. Um, mm. But if you're in the work of rebuilding the world as a community, you need to be able to trust each other. You need to, you need to be able to know that uh, folks are going to take risks with you and for you and that they're going to show up when it gets difficult and that they're going to stay there when uh, the state fights back, right? Like you need to be really in deep relationship with each other. And what I hear in this text is John saying like, Look, if I'm baptizing you into this family, this movement, mm. this like displayed loyalty towards something other than empire, um, then we need to be seeing like you living your truth so that we can trust each other, right? Like, especially oh, wow. like mm. when I'm thinking about like those of us who are white, like we are not trustworthy, (laughs) you know, like how, how many of us have made promises we didn't keep or have, you know, we're always going to continue doing harm, uh, even as we're unlearning it and hopefully doing less and less and less harm and also doing good, right? But like, Mm. we, we need to earn trust through the fruit of our lives that says like, we are actually in solidarity um and so i hear like that is my it is my personal responsibility to live in such a way that my actions and my uh what i profess are in line with each other that's my responsibility Mm. um and in order to be in communities that are rebuilding the world together um i i don't know that i should be trustworthy until I'm committed to doing that. Mm. The Mm. risks are too high. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's so helpful. I cannot tell you. And I just, so it is the both and. It's it's the the self-reflection and like individual work because it's connected to the collective, mm-hmm. not yeah. because I'm in it all by myself alone. Yes. And, and somehow if I com- 
confess all my individual sins that, you know, Jesus won't have been crucified or, or whatever, or yeah. Jesus will be born, whatever season we happen to be in right now. I don't even know. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's a very Lenten Advent for some reason. Um, it is. And, yeah. uh, so I that that's been something that I've been struggling with. So I just I just so appreciate you mm-hmm. naming it in the way that you have just named it. And mm-hmm. and I'm curious about for me that puts a different spin on on both um, the like the fruit bearing fruit, but also like separating the wheat and the chaff and the, the ax at the foot of the tree and all of this like, you know, plants are kind of, they're collective beings. Yeah. You, know, you don't, you don't really get an apple tree that just has one apple. There's right. all these apples and yeah. trees grow in groves and wheat grows in fields. And there are parts of the plant that that are nourishing for human bodies and there are parts that that are not. And so these kinds of natural collective um, discernment processes, if you will, that are both my own discernment, but that are also participating in a collective discernment. I'm just sort of coming to this. So, so rather than these images of, uh, of the wheat and the, the ax and whatever being these kinds of very condemnatory, mm. you know, if you don't do it right, you're going to hell, I think is how these often sure. get, um, not particularly in my growing up, but I, I know that that's how they get interpreted. Yeah. yeah. Um, but perhaps also in more liberal or progressive spaces, still this kind of like, Oh, you're screwed if you don't. <laughs> right. You're isolated. You're you are disposed of. You are. Um, you're alone. Yeah. Mm. And I actually, because of what you have just said, I, I actually think that's not what this text is saying. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you're making me think about like. Uh, how I think the trees that don't bear good fruit are not alone. They're not going to be left alone. They're going to be in the company of the majority of trees, right? That are not mm. going to, that are not bearing good fruit. Like what I hear is a like, this is a time, like we, we can't live uh, in binary realities. Uh, that's, you know, good people, bad people, like all mm. of that is problematic. But there are moments where um, your loyalty is revealed, right? Like, yeah. are you really going to lay lay it down for your neighbor or not? Yeah. Um, and and I hear him kind of saying, like, now is the time to decide if you're really in this or not. Um, and if you're not, uh, you you can't you can't put the rest of the group at risk, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Um, that it's not about um, meeting a purity test or anything like that. It's about mm-hmm. a like, are you really in this with yeah. us, right? Yeah. Um, I love that. And that, that 
sense of um, like this is a this is a time where, as you said, like our our true loyalties are revealed. There's something still in it that I think is very understanding of, as you said, like we can't live in binaries. I often say yeah. that white supremacy loves a binary. Yeah. Um, and and also like there are moments when you have to like declare a side yeah. yeah and still it's so messy at the same time yeah it's so messy yeah yeah <laughs> you know I can declare yeah. a side and still not be very good at it <laughs> yes yeah <laughs> like I know where I want to yeah. be yeah you know and so maybe this is like mm. okay so what do we do you know yeah when the people yes. are like what do we do <laughs> And John's like, okay, here's what you do. And then the people are yeah. like, okay, good. He's going to save us. And then he's yeah. like, no, I'm not. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yep. Back to the individual. Like, oh, so it's not going to be my individual acts that save me. It's going to be yours. <laughs> <laughs> Charismatic leader, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And- you know, and this whole scene is happening as people are being baptized, right? Yeah. So they're being initiated into this community, even with not knowing what they're going to do, even with questions about, are you sure about this? And yeah. why now? Yeah. And even with the, the, the messiness that they bring with them, yeah. they have shown up. Yeah. And they're not being turned away. Yes. And yeah. I think that is also something really important to notice about what's right. happening. Yes, yes, I totally agree. And I I think John is hard, like he is difficult. He is um, challenging, I guess is really the word that I, I want. Um, but he is, he also stays entirely open to the possibilities before him um, and each of these people. Um, to your point, he doesn't say like, you're not going to bear good fruit or mm-hmm. like, get the hell out of here. You, yeah. you know, like you've messed up too many times. Um, there is that both and of like, check check your motivations, check your commitment, check, check yourself. Um, mm-hmm. And also like, come, come and do the things and join us and like, Let's do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's uh, a good um, pushback on the kind of perfectionism that white supremacy loves to. Yeah. Because that's not what it's about at all. Totally. That's right. I assume that like, you know, they've been baptized and they're still, they've still got the questions. <laughs> <laughs> You know, oh, get baptized, you get the sermon, you, you know, and yeah. and I think, I don't know, I think sometimes for white people, I think this is, you know, I have noticed this tendency in me that like, I can't show up until I have it perfectly right. Yeah. Since I have the right vocabulary, if I have the perfect analysis, if I show up and never hurt anybody or say the wrong thing Mm -hmm. and and that actually just gets in the way yeah yeah 
Yeah, that's right. Uh, I mean, there is uh, vulnerability in all of those realities. Ooh. And like, uh, hopefully we're, you know, trying to hold that vulnerability and um, relationship to the fact that we are a lot less vulnerable in a lot of more serious ways. Um, we can hold that truth while also being honest about the things that we feel vulnerable about um, so that we don't run from them. Um, because it is, it is, it just is like humanly vulnerable to uh, make mistakes about things that we care about, um, to, to feel the feelings of like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> you know, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to be. I don't know where I'm mm. getting it wrong or where mm. I'm, you know, contributing something useful. Like those are all vulnerable realities. Um, and that is what it, what just, that just is. And then it becomes, what do we do? even when we feel vulnerable, what choices do we make? Um, what but, do we do? Which is their yeah. question to John, <laughs> What right? do we do? Yeah, what do we yeah, do? yeah, yeah. So the, the discernment of like, both like individual and I think also collective, you know, what are, what fruits can I see that are coming from how I'm showing up? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. What, what, um, what's it I'm trying to say? What evidence is there that, mm. that, that I'm trying to show up, that this is the commitment that I have made, you know, this is a yeah. vision that I've committed myself to. Yeah. Um, and maybe part of the fruits are that you're self-reflective about it and mm -hmm. willing to be corrected when you screw up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, right, and stay, stay. <laughs> and stay. Stay in, yeah. And stay, yeah. and stay. Yeah. Yeah. And stay. Yeah. And I think, you know, there's no getting out of um, the, the fact that fruit is, is also material in this passage, right? Mm -hmm. um, a, a thing that I love and I don't love about this passage is the <laughs> examples he gives of like, um, I love that he he, he talks about redistributing goods and power, mm -hmm. right? Um, what I don't love uh, is that given the historical difference in terms of context, I don't hear power analysis and what he asked people to do. And so like, how do we faithfully show up to the fact that like good fruit, especially as white folks, um, is inherently related to redistribution of goods mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and power um, mm -hmm. without also, and we let that be as simple as it is. Like if you mm -hmm. have too much, share it with the, because yeah. people are hungry. It's mm -hmm. simple. 
It's ancient and it's simple. And mm-hmm. also it's not just about charity. Right. It's, and I it's think gotta be connected to power analysis. Yeah. And this text is a challenge, I think, sometimes in moving from charity to sharing power or redistributing power, right? Yeah. Yeah, I definitely, I, I see that, the challenge um, in, in the text of, of finding that power analysis. I, th- I do think that that is in part because we have tried to make the Bible and the New Testament in particular and Jesus in particular answer questions that they were not intended mm. to answer. Mm-hmm. And once um, Christianity became the religion of the Roman Empire, it attempted to erase the power analysis that I think is actually more prevalent in the text mm-hmm. than we think it is. Mm-hmm. It's been made invisible to us because we mm-hmm. think that these stories are answering questions that they're actually not. They're answering mm-hmm. questions about, you know, is, is what we've been taught they're answering questions about, you know, is, is Christianity better than Judaism? What was wrong with Judaism that we needed Jesus? Like, you know, does God love us or not love us? How do we escape the wrath of God, you know, when we're such sinful people? And like, that is not what's happening here. That's right. That's these right. are, these are texts that are written in response to state violence. Yes. Yes. <laughs> you know, whether we're talking about and I don't know, our listeners might get tired of me saying this, but whether we're talking about like, you know, Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, the Roman yeah. empire, whatever. Right. They are the wrestlings of a people who are constantly being crushed yes. by, by empire and by mm. oppression and by violence. Yeah. And if we make the text try to answer questions that they're not meant to, yes. then that becomes invisible. Mm. And mm-hmm. it's, um, I get very worked up about it. Basically. It's beautiful. <laughs> I love it. Yes. So for me, I think there's, yeah. there's more power analysis here than perhaps we're aware of. Sure. Yeah. Um, the, the naming right before this happens, the naming of all of the, the Roman appointed rulers um, right at the begin- beginning of chapter three, like sets us up like here in the context of the Roman Empire yeah. with these rulers who we actually know are violent and oppressive, like Pilate, like Herod, etc. You know, John shows up and we have this interaction at the Jordan River, which is yeah. what the people crossed in order to get free from Egypt. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So. And then right after this text, right after today's story. There's like one whole verse and then Herod throws John in jail. Right, yes. (laughs) Yeah. You know, um, so it's, it's, we don't get it in today's reading, which perhaps is unfortunate, but it's surrounded by very much political content. Yes. And the impact of his teaching is that he gets thrown in jail. Yes. And And eventually eventually executed. Executed, right. Yeah. So if it were just a nice message about charity, like, yeah, that is not threatening, actually. Yeah, <laughs> powerful. Right. You know? I was watching the end of the Bills game last night, and they were talking about um, 
the football game, they're doing some kind of like my cleats, my causes or something with, you know, they players get to design their own cleats and then they sell them and then they donate that money to charity. And I was like, what? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> not that it's not good that people don't like have their basic needs in that because that's important, but also if this is what we think is going to change the world, like what structural, actual structural change to keep people from being hungry and to keep people from being on the receiving end of state violence, like that ain't going to cut it. No, Mm -mm. that is not going to, you know, have John the Baptist end up in jail. Not that that should be our goal precisely, but that speaks to the the actual threat of what he is um encouraging i guess yeah Yeah. in the people yeah yeah absolutely absolutely it does um when i was first reading this text i uh what came to mind for me was uh ferguson um, Mm. organizing Devin ferguson and how many um how many of the leaders and organizers there um have ended up quote unquote disappearing mm-hmm. um, or yeah mysteriously um, dead yeah. yeah and like story as old as power mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um yeah same with um like indigenous self-determination movements like mm. american indian movement mm-hmm. you know um anime um i'm gonna blank on her last name Sequash or Leonard Peltier ended up in jail, political prisoner. Um, you know, people, indigenous leaders disappeared yeah. mysteriously. That's what happens when you threaten an empire. Right. Yeah. Yep. Um, you're threatening power mm-hmm. and the powerful. Um, yeah. It's serious business. And I think that's part of why I, you know, I hear the like, are you for real about this? Mm-hmm. Because this is what happens. Yes. Yeah, I was just thinking about that and what you said kind of at the beginning of our conversation of like, are you for real about this? Are you going to be with me yeah. until the end? Mm-hmm. And that's actually what we see in these gospel stories. I'm actually getting a little chill. Yeah. Of the people who are with him until the end. Mm. It, you know, and sometimes yeah. that's messy. Peter yeah. doesn't know whether he's supposed to like say that he knows Jesus or not, and he cuts off a, you know Malchus's ear and and whatever. Yeah. But they're with him. Yeah. As far as they can go. Yeah. They're with him until the end. Yes. And then even after. Yes. So there's something in the holding on to these exhortations, if you will, from from John. I think that's actually a word they use here. Yeah, right after this. Many other exhortations. These exhortations. Mm. You know, are are you in it? Because 
this is what can happen. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But we're not going to get there without each other, right? Yes, right. Yeah. And uh, like, it, it feels uh, to me both so important to be honest about the, are you really in it element? Um, and also the in it is this beautiful, like mm. <laughs> liberative, freeing reality that mm. is, we dare to call saving, right? Like, yes, it's not it's not being dragged into something because we don't know what else to do or like to free us from guilt or shame. It's like, no, we're, we are invited into this entirely new way of being in community, being uh, in spirit, being in our own bodies. Um, that is saving. Mm. Um, It's serious and it's, it's, um, it is serious and risky and also like <laughs> overflowing with possibility and yes. joy and connection and community yes. and so many of the things that are denied to us when we hand ourselves over to empire, right? Oh. Like <laughs> it is the opposite of the deadening forces that until this moment in this passage, perhaps we've been aligned with. And it's worth it. That's the gospel, right? It's worth it. Yes, yes. Sorry, having a moment where I could cry because mm. that was so beautiful. But <laughs> mm. <laughs> it, it is. There are moments that are terrifying and scary. Um, just thinking of my own life lived in the movement. And yet I wouldn't want to have been anywhere else. Yeah. It is in some ways, although hard, because your heart is kind of open to apocalypse all the time. Mm -hmm. Since we are in Advent. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. But as you say, the joy and the beauty and the community and the, the way that people will show up for you, mm -hmm. the way that we show up for each other. Mm -hmm. um, like there's, there's no place else I would want to have spent my life really. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. And the and way, hope, yeah. No, go ahead, please. I was just going to say, I hope that we find ways to communicate mm -hmm. to people, yeah. white people, perhaps in particular. Yeah. But yeah, it's hard and yeah, it's messy, but actually, it's gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. It's healing. It's healing. It's freeing. It's being alive in a new way mm. um, it makes me it's like you know jesus's whole we lose our lives to save them like oh mm. it, it's just how 
it works, <laughs> you know, uh, but like there are things that are serious that we lose. It's not a, we don't have to deny what is, mm-hmm. what is lost, but what is gained is so worth it. Yeah. Yeah. So worth it. That also feels like a good Advent mm. place to land. Mm. It's so worth it. Mm. And maybe that's why John is so like intense about it. Like, mm. cause it matters that much. Yeah. Yeah. It's the good news. That's the good news. That is the good news. call to action today in the spirit of the both and of individual and collective reflection and discernment, we want you to get your people together and talk about what it means as white people to be trustworthy, to bear good fruit, and what that good fruit looks like. Talk together too about what is needed to go deeper for the long haul. What then do we do as the crowd questions in Luke? Thanks as always for joining us from wherever you are in this good earth. We'd love to hear from you all by commenting on our SoundCloud or Twitter or Facebook pages or filling out the listener survey on our podcast page at surge.org. And we'd love to hear from you about how we're doing, especially from folks of color and non-Christian folks who may be checking us out. We'll be back next week with the resistance word from Reverend Seth Wispelway. You can find out more about Surge at surge.org and our podcast lives on SoundCloud. Search on The Word is Resistance. Give us a like or rate us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to our podcast. Transcripts are available as well on our website, which include references, resources, and action links. And of course, always a huge thanks to our editor, Claire Hitchens. You are doing great, Claire. Um, Congratulations on submitting your uh, huge paper that you just finished. Em, it's been such a pleasure to to be in conversation with you today. I'm just so grateful for um, what I've learned with you today. Um, And just thank you. Thank you for being here. Would you you. please offer us a blessing to close us out? Sure. Dear ones, may we show up. May we show up together. May we do so with authenticity. May we be willing to be vulnerable, to be embarrassed, to be afraid, and to keep showing up. May we find that we bear fruit worthy of the trust of our BIPOC siblings, that we may live and know the good news. May it be so. May it be so.